Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We've been talking about the armor of God, and we've got today, and we have two more weeks to go. We're going to be talking about the shield of faith next Sunday, and then uh, uh, Glenn Dart is going to be speaking on the sword of the Spirit in a couple weeks. And so um, today we're talking about the gospel of peace, the shoes, our feet shod with the shoes of the gospel of peace. And I, I remember uh, the first summer after my wife and I's wedding, we decided we were going to go on a 27-mile backpacking trip through Eagle Creek along the gorge in Oregon. It's a beautiful trail. We were going to do an overnight trip, spend two nights up there on the mountain. But we didn't have any gear. We had never been backpacking on our own before, so we didn't own anything portable. So we decided we're going to go to REI, and we're going to get the latest equipment. So we got the, the best uh, two-person tent, you know, lightweight, portable tent. We got some mattresses that we could roll up. We got one of those little pocket rocket stoves. You know, anybody seen one of those before? They, just these cool little stoves, all the stuff that they make for backpacking nowadays. And um, we even got fitted with some really nice, expensive backpacks as well. Got the latest backpacks. We thought that we were ready to rock and roll. And we get on the trail. We lock the door. We start hiking. And not even a mile into the hike, my wife starts limping. Just like, oh, kind of like, you know, crying a little. She's not crying, but she's just, she's just, I was going to say complaining, but she was commenting about the pain that was in her shoes. And she goes, ah, I don't know what's, man, these shoes are not good for this. And I looked down and I realized I didn't notice before, but she's wearing designer boots on a hiking trip. And they look like hiking boots, but they're not like real leather. They're fake leather and they're made for fashion, you know, but they're not actual boots. And so we take off her shoes and her feet have blisters all over them. And I, I, it's, we're not even a mile in. And I look at her and I go, babe, do we need to turn around and go to the outlet mall? That's about, I mean, it's going to be about an hour there, an hour back. We're going to be super late, you know, showing up to our campsite in the dark. Do you want to turn around? She goes, no, no, we're going to keep going. And so she toughed it out. For the entire 27-mile backpacking trip, she wore these designer boots. And, man, at the end of it, her feet were just nasty looking. You're welcome. We had to stop, and she had to just soak her feet in the, in the icy creek, you know, just to, to make it feel good, to numb them up. And then she'd throw her socks back on, and we'd keep going. You know, here's the, thing, here's the point is you can prepare all you want. You can suit up with the armor of God. But make sure you put on the gospel of peace before you leave your house or your day is going to be difficult. The road ahead is hard. Life is difficult. And we've been given the gift of peace to shod ourselves with. That word shod, I've never used that word shod before ever in my life. Uh, And I'm using it a lot today. But we use the gospel of peace to cover our feet before we leave the house. You know, I I wanted to share with you some, some statistics because our world is literally dying for peace today. There is war all over our world, and people are looking for peace, not just nationally, not just all over the world, but inner peace as well. Here's some statistics, some, some statistics of our nation. 77% of Americans experience physical symptoms of stress. 73% of Americans experience psychological symptoms of stress. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. 40 million American adults suffer from an anxiety disorder. 
That's a little over one out of 12 people. Or I think it's one out of 10 people. A little over one out of 10 people. So look around the room. Adults suffer from anxiety disorder. 80 million American adults have high blood pressure. One in three deaths are caused by heart attack, by heart attack or stroke. Our world is literally dying for peace. People would love to hear good news that results in less stress, but many people choose to shod their feet with designer boots, with things that look and feel like they are going to provide peace, but when the trail gets steep and the road is long, that peace ultimately fails, doesn't it? And you may think the answer is financial security. That really will bring me peace. I know that I've, I've believed this lie in my life that I, if I just had a little bit more money, if I got out of debt, if I had a little bit more margin with my finances, then I could really experience peace. Come on, anybody in this room feel this? I, I, I've often thought financial security is the answer. These are the designer boots that if I put on, I'm going to experience true peace, but ultimately it will fail right? Maybe you think the answer is relational stability, or maybe the answer is less work and more rest. And while those things may certainly help the way that you feel, and they are good things, they're not bad things. While they may help the way that you feel, they are things that are unreliable, and mostly, most of the time, they're completely out of our control, aren't they? We cannot control sometimes the circumstances that happen in our life, and those things ultimately fail us when we are searching for peace. But God promises, and he provides a solid rock of peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus in this room, then you know the peace that I'm talking about, don't you? You know you've experienced this kind of peace in your life. It is a peace that surrounds you in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of confusion, when tragedy strikes, when a loved one suddenly passes away. You are familiar with the kind of peace that I'm talking about, that it is an anchor for your soul. It is something that does not fail you because your peace is not reliant on your circumstances or the things that you can produce, but it is reliant It is reliant solely on what Jesus brings to your life. And this is the kind of peace that our world needs. And it only comes from Jesus. So today I want to talk about sharing this peace with those who have yet to meet Jesus. And so if you're there with me in Ephesians chapter 6, again, we're going to read the whole passage of the armor of God all the way down to the gospel of peace. So we're going to start at verse 10 and end at verse 15. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. <clears throat> Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I still need to be reminded of that. I think I've paused every week on that. But I need to be reminded of that because, man, people annoy me, don't they? I mean, you, you watch the news and you think you know who your enemies are, right? Those people on the other side of the world who are attacking those. I think I know who, I, who my enemies are. But it says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The readiness given by the gospel of peace. When Paul speaks about feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, does he mean the readiness given by the gospel of peace or the readiness to spread the good news that brings peace? I think the answer is yes. It might be both, perhaps. In fact, it very well could be both. And many commentators and translators, they opt for the first option. But I believe that Paul is making a reference back to the prophet Isaiah when he speaks these words in Ephesians. And we know from Isaiah, Isaiah is the one who described the armor of God before Paul. I've quoted Isaiah 59 as it talks about the armor that Jesus wore himself, the the armor of the Messiah. And again, he quotes uh, Isaiah again. You know, the only other place in Scripture where feet, good news, and peace occur together— Besides here in Ephesians 6, the only place where those three words occur together again is in Isaiah chapter 52. And this is what it says in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say, Zion, your God reigns. See, if Paul is making a connection with the Isaiah 52 passage, then the readiness he has in mind is primarily the readiness to share the good news as heralds of the gospel. That when he says that we should always put on the shoes of peace, the readiness given by the gospel, he's saying you should always be ready to share the good news of peace with those around you. And of course, we experience that peace first, don't we? In order to share something, you first have to experience it yourself in your own life. In a military context, Paul, he's alluding to the watchman on the wall. The watchman, or he's up high on a hill, who would race back to the city to tell others that the battle has been won and the victory has been achieved. What a privilege it is to be that watchman, right? The one who gets word that the battle has been won, that our team has won, we've had victory. Now I get to be the one to go and tell everyone else that the battle is over, we are victorious. What a privilege it is to share that kind of good news. This is what Paul is alluding to, that we are the bringers of peace. We are the bringers of good news. We are heralds of the gospel of peace. He applies the same image to our privilege of sharing the gospel with believers and unbelievers alike. And he makes the same connection when he cites both the prophet Joel and Isaiah in Romans chapter 10. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. So it's pretty awesome when you can be able to get into uh, his, his mind and kind of see his train of thought. See where he kind of pulls scripture from the Old Testament. In Romans 10 verses 13 through 15, he quotes both Joel and Isaiah. He says... For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Joel chapter 2.32. And then he says in verse 14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You notice how differently these passages present the task of evangelism? From the way that we which the, the, the way from which we often conceive evangelism, there's a way that we think of evangelism. We sometimes think of it as a kind of spiritual multi-level marketing program, right? Where it's our job to somehow convince people to buy into something that they don't really want. And then, if possible, to get them to be enthusiastic about sharing Jesus with their friends. And it's a difficult task when we, when we view evangelism like this, like, oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I, I want to tell them about Jesus, but I don't think they really want it. I don't think they really want to hear about this. If this is your idea of evangelism, no wonder we aren't enthused about our opportunity to preach the good news to people around us. Maybe you don't feel prepared enough. I don't know enough about the gospel. I don't know how to answer some of these difficult questions. I don't know how to take rejection when they tell me to go away. Oh, boo-hoo. Sorry. We don't know what to do with these kind of things. But here's, here's a truth that I want to give you. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. Understand this. You are not a salesperson for the gospel. You are a herald. There is a difference. You're not a salesperson. You're not trying to convince somebody to buy into something that they really don't want. We know that everyone wants peace. Everyone wants to experience the love of God. Now, they might not know it yet, and they might be seeking it out in different forms, but everybody is looking for this kind of love, and you are a herald of this message. You don't have a product that needs to be marketed. You have a wonderful piece of good news that needs to be trumpeted from the mountaintops. That needs to be shouted from the roofs. You know, Jesus himself, he was our herald. He was the one who first came and showed us what it was like to boldly declare a message of the kingdom of heaven. That was not popular. That was not what everybody was looking for or even sometimes wanted to hear it, at least for the Pharisees. The Pharisees heard the message that Jesus had, and they said, whoa, what are you doing? This is not, this is not what, what we had in mind. But Jesus boldly declared this message, and he watched as the broken came to him, and those who were hurting were restored, and they were healed. Those who were lost were found. And Jesus came not merely as a herald of the good news of our salvation, but as its accomplisher. He laid down his own life for our sins so that we who were God's natural enemies could become his friends through simple faith in Jesus. Through his death and resurrection, we have peace with God. And as you read the Gospels, you can see that Jesus' primary message was to declare that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. In Luke chapter 4, I love this portion of scripture. Luke chapter 4 describes the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. preached. And, and I often wonder, you know, God himself comes in the flesh and he's about to give his first statement, his first sermon to the people that he's come to save. What would, what would God preach about? What would he say? It's kind of an, 
a very significant moment for Jesus, wouldn't you say? That he stands in, in the temple, he stands at the synagogue, and he's about to deliver his first message, and he chooses to quote Isaiah chapter 61. And so he picks up the scroll of Isaiah, and he unrolls it, and he reads this out loud. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he drops the mic and walks away. And he says, today, today in your hearing, this has been fulfilled. Jesus himself showed you and I how to be a herald of good news, a bringer of peace, one who boldly and joyfully declares that the kingdom of God is here, that you no longer have to wrestle with the things you've been struggling with. You no longer have to rely on the idols in your life to bring you blessing, that God himself has reconciled you to him through the blood of Jesus, and now there is a better way to live. What a, what a what great news. Jesus showed us what it was like to be a bringer of peace. And the task of a herald is simple. Number one, they have to get the message right. And number two, they've got to get the message out. Simple. Get the message right. Get the message out. So what is the good news? What is the gospel of peace that we're supposed to be ready to share? If you were here earlier this year, kind of closer to Easter, we did a series called Good News. And we talked about the four pillars of the gospel message. And we can see these four pillars in the book of Acts through the very first sermon that Peter preached after he was filled with the Spirit. That he stands up boldly in front of thousands of people in Jerusalem and he gives the first, the first gospel message after the resurrection And he describes the good news in four stages or four pillars. There's four important moments about the gospel. And number one, this is the what of the gospel of peace. The first part is incarnation, that Jesus came to be with you. Jesus came to be with you. This is good news for those who are lost in sin, who are lost searching For something more, there's an emptiness in their life, and they don't know where to turn or who to turn to. But the good news that Jesus brings and the good news that we proclaim is that Jesus came in the midst of your sin to be with you. Long ago, Jesus left his throne in heaven to be born into a manger among animals and shepherds to the lowliest of places. He wasn't born in a palace He wasn't born with status. He was born in the midst of our filth because he just wanted to be with us. And as heralds of peace, we should look for people who have unsuccessfully been relying on their idols to save them. Who have unsuccessfully been relying maybe on their image or their beauty or their money or their authority 
or their success or maybe their relationships. As, God, as heralds of the gospel of peace, we should be looking for those who have been relying on their idols unsuccessfully and they just keep on coming back to the same point. Those are the people who are ready to receive the gospel of peace because we can come to them and we can say, hey, stop what you're doing. Stop relying on the things you've been relying on because there's a better way. Jesus is the answer. He came to be with you in the midst of our filth when we were far from God. The second thing, the second pillar of the gospel is Jesus' death. It's that Jesus died to forgive you. This is what we declare as heralds of the gospel of peace. We say, not only did Jesus come to be with you, which, by the way, let me back up a little bit. There is a record throughout the, throughout the, the history of the Bible that this is not just a New Testament thing. It's not like the God of the Old Testament was different from the God of the New Testament. Sometimes we read it that way. That, oh, God's just a little bit different in the New Testament. He has a little bit more grace, a little bit more mercy because of Jesus. No, God was always good. He was always gracious. He was always merciful. He, we serve the same God. He's the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. And we can see all along. That God's desire from Genesis chapter 1 was to be with his people. Because we read that after God creates man in the garden, says that he would walk with them in the cool of the day. That his sole desire was just to be with his people. He just wanted to be among them. What kind of God of the universe? Oftentimes when we think of a, 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 a when we think of a God of some other civilization, we think of somebody who sits high on a throne and expects everyone else to serve that person. Everyone else to work and slave away for the glory of that God. But instead, we serve a God who comes down to us and just wants relationship. If you fast forward a little bit further into Exodus, you can see that God instructs Moses how to build a tabernacle. Moses goes to Mount Sinai in Exodus 33, and he comes down with instructions for how to build a house so that God could dwell among his people. God eagerly desired to be with Israel, so he said, listen, build this place to my specifications, build it exactly how I say, because I want to go with you. And so it was a mobile tent. It was this mobile, a tabernacle was like a mobile tent that the Israelites would pack up, and every time they would come to a new place to camp, they would rebuild it, and fire from heaven would come down and ignite the altar, and God's presence would once again, would, 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 would once again fill the house, and they would carry God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant everywhere that they went because God has always desired to be with his people. That is good news. And so today, if you think that you serve a God who is distant and who's far off and has better things to do than to spend time with you, know that the God that we read about in the Bible is one who says, I want to be with you in every season of your life at all times. I don't want you to run from me. Jesus came to be with us. And Jesus died to forgive us. The bad news is that sin made us an enemy of God. And the good news is that while you were still an enemy, Jesus died to forgive you. To make you a friend and to call you child. And as heralds of peace, here's a good thing. We should never be judgmental. Or we should never condemn those who don't know Jesus. Because condemnation and judgment from us 
to the world essentially communicates, God loves me because I don't act like you. That's what condemnation feels like. Judgment towards those who don't know Jesus sounds like. It sounds like we are saying, God loves me because I don't act like you. And maybe if you acted a little bit more like me, God will love you more. That's not good news, is it? It's not. It's not the gospel of peace. Because even while I was God's enemy and my actions were evil, Jesus died to forgive me. And I did nothing to earn it. I, I did nothing to earn the favor of God. Now that is good news worth sharing. When we approach our friends and our family and, and holiday season is coming up and, and this is the time of year where we see people that we, we only see once in a blue moon. And sometimes we leave these gatherings going, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. Why did I do that? I see this person once a year, once every other year, once every 10 years, and I left this, I left this impression. I said something that I shouldn't have said when I should have been sharing the gospel of peace without condemnation, without judgment. We have to receive that first, don't we? We receive the gospel of peace. We have this understanding of how we have been forgiven And from that flows this desire to share it joyfully with others. That God died for you. He loves you. Even if you're running far away from him, he still loves you. He still runs after you. The third thing is the resurrection. This is the third part of the what. This is the message. Jesus came to be with you. He died to forgive you. The third thing is he rose to give you new life. That he not only saved you from something, but he saved you into something. He didn't just save you from hell, from an eternity separated from God's presence. He saved you into a new life. He gave you a new spirit, one that calls God Abba Father. A spirit that cries out, Dad, my my Father in heaven. What a privilege it is to be calling the creator of the universe our father. The good news is that Jesus rose to give you a new nature, that your heart was once corrupted by sin, and Jesus rose to make you new. And as heralds of the gospel of peace, we can declare that new life is truly available to all, that we're no longer sinners. Some, some people still like to say that in the church, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace, Listen, that's not what Paul wrote to the churches when he wrote these letters to the Corinthians and the Thessalonians. He didn't say to the sinners in Corinth, to the sinners in Thessalonica. What did he say? To the saints in Corinth. To those who have been given a new nature, who desire the things of God, who seek after the face of God. We've been given a new nature. And... Our innocence has been restored to us. I think oftentimes we live our lives still feeling guilty about stuff. Still feeling like we we still don't quite measure up. But do you know that when Jesus rose from the grave and he he gives you a new nature, when you invite him into your life, he gives you a new spirit, a new heart. He restores to you your innocence like a child. And we can approach God with confidence knowing that we've done nothing wrong. 
It's true. Some of you are going, wait a second. Pastor, that, that's, that can't be right. No, the Bible says that you've been justified, that when you say yes to Jesus, it's as if you never sinned. And when, G, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus. So we approach him with confidence and innocence and a new nature with eyes wide open and hearts wide open to say, give me all you got, dad. Father in heaven, give me everything you have because you died so I can have it. You are now worthy to receive the love of God. And that's the good news that we share with people that they've been given a new nature. So we look for people who may be struggling with their sin, who may be struggling with their identity, and we preach this to them. We bring this gospel of peace. We put on the shoes of peace, and we are ready to encourage them and lift them up and remind them of who they are. This, you know, the shoes kind of seem like, you know, Maybe the belt as well, but, you know, the belt and the shoes, they, they don't seem very significant when you hold up a shield and a sword, right? Like, what good is a, a belt going to do for me? What good are, are the shoes going to do for me? But, but as we talk about it today, you can kind of see how the shoes of peace, the, the gospel of peace is almost an offensive tool as well. It's not just for defense. It's not just to protect you, but it's also to take ground for the enemy and fulfill the promise that God gave to Joshua when he was moving in the promised land. God said, every place that you set your foot, I will give it to you. And so when we equip ourselves with a gospel of peace, everywhere we tread, we are taking ground away from the enemy and bringing it into the kingdom of heaven. And we bring this gospel, this good news, everywhere we go. The fourth part of the gospel, the fourth pillar, is the ascension. And this is what, what Peter talks about in his message, that he ascended so that we could have victory. He ascended to give you victory, and it came in the form of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to learn more about this, or you maybe want to go a little bit deeper, hop onto our YouTube channel and listen to these four messages. They're on YouTube. But he ascended to give you victory in the form of the Holy Spirit. The bad news is that you once were powerless to change anything. You were powerless to resist the temptations of sin. You were powerless to do the things that you know you should be doing. But then the Holy Spirit came. And the good news is that while you were powerless to resist sin and to fight evil in the world around you, Jesus ascended so that you could be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and he would help you walk with Jesus. He would help you uh, go through the process of what we call sanctification. I talked about justification. It's as if you've never sinned when you've been justified. Well, sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus, and it is a lifelong journey, a lifelong process that comes when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He allows you to walk in the way that Jesus walked. As heralds of peace, we carry the Spirit of God within us, that provides a supernatural power to resist sin and do the work of God. And this is the victory we declare to other people. Do we still fall short? Do we still mess up? Do we still fall into sin? Absolutely. That's why God's grace is there as we go through this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like the person of Jesus. That's the gospel. That is the what. Those are the declarations that we give to the world, that Jesus came to be with you. 
in the midst of whatever you're going through, and you're running away, Jesus came to be with you. He died to forgive you, that there's nothing in your life that is so terrible that God does not forgive, that he promises that if you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. He died to forgive you. He rose to give you a new life, that he didn't just save you from sin, but now he's going to give you a nature that desires the things of God, that wants to do God's will in your life. And lastly, he ascended to give you victory. He fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit, not only to resist sin, but to do the work of God on the earth, to bring heaven on earth as Jesus commissioned his disciples. If you know someone who's included in the statistics that I read earlier, people who are anxious, those who are depressed, those maybe who are, have high blood pressure, maybe who have suffered a heart attack or a stroke, who are dealing with anxiety and pressure, and, and they don't know where to find rest, they don't know where to find peace. If you know somebody who is included in these statistics, bring them good news. You are a herald of the gospel. You are a herald of the good news of peace. Look at the world around us. Watch the news, and it's evident that our world is broken. It needs help, and Jesus is the answer. He is the good news that everyone is waiting for. So why do we act like Jesus is bad news sometimes? Why does our fear cripple us from sharing the good news with others? And we make all kinds of excuses like, I'm not eloquent. I, 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 st- I struggle with my words or I'm just not a people person. And, I, you know, we, we, those of us who are introverts, we hear that quote that's preach the gospel and, at, and if, if necessary, use words. Those of us introverts are like, amen to that. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, you know, I'll preach the gospel with my life, with my actions, and then, you know, if I have to, I'll use words. And while that's good, we should be preaching the gospel with our lives, with our actions. We are called to speak the word of God. We are called to be heralds of the gospel of peace, to declare it with our mouths to others. But here's the thing. If you haven't truly had an encounter with God's with this gospel of peace, if you haven't truly been transformed by it, then they're not shoes that you're going to want to show off to your friends and your family. You have to first like them. You have to first love it and appreciate it to share it with other people. Like the one who runs into the city declaring victory, we should be so compelled by this good news that we cannot wait to tell it with others. I'm going to invite Mary to come up. We're going to close in just a few minutes. But you have good news that the world desperately wants to hear. And if you're not fully convinced that others want to hear what you have to say, you may need to spend a little time evangelizing yourself. What do I mean by that? You might need to go back and remind yourself of how you've been forgiven. Remind yourself of all the love that you've experienced from God, all the joy that you've received, the comfort, the beauty that God has brought to your life. Remind yourself of how God gave you purpose and identity. Evangelize yourself. Speak to yourself. Call it out in yourself. Those of us who have been saved for a while now, I gave my life to Jesus when I was four. I was raised in the church, and sometimes I can hear the good news of Jesus, and and it doesn't really sink in. 
And I say things like, oh, yeah, God lives inside of me. But really, when I say that, I should go, wait, what? God lives inside of me. I have access to the presence of the creator of the universe, and I did nothing to earn it. I'm a child of God. That even through my failures, he still seeks after me. Even through my struggles, he still loves me. And even when I don't feel adequate, he still uses me. Church, you don't even know how many times I get up here on Sunday and I go, I should not be preaching today. Man, if the church only knew what I did this last week and how I lashed out to my kids, how I spoke to my wife, what I did behind closed doors, they would not even want me on stage. I'm not worthy. I'm not fit. I should not be preaching. But the good news about what Jesus does in our life is that he uses you in spite of you, in spite of what you bring. If you're a willing and open vessel who who truly desires the things of God, who truly desires to be used by God, he's going to use you regardless. And I'm so thankful for the privilege to stand up here on Sunday and to speak the words from the Bible, to speak Jesus' words. It's not me, it's, it's Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that grace. Sometimes I just need to preach to myself. I need to evangelize myself. I need to get excited once again about what Jesus has brought to my life because when you get excited about what Jesus has done in your life, you can't help but share it with other people. I know that when I get together with my friends who are walking away from the Lord, we sit down and within the first 30 minutes, I'm in a full-blown conversation about Jesus. I can't help it. It's who I am. I'm all about it. There's nothing else more important in my life. There's nothing more I want to talk about than Jesus. And so when I get together with friends that I haven't seen in a long time, man, we go right into it. How's your relationship with God? And it first comes from this place of just knowing what God has done in our life. So would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the ministry teams to come forward. You have been commissioned by Jesus himself to be heralds of the gospel of peace. Remember, you're not a salesperson. You do not need to defend the gospel. You do not need to defend truth. Truth defends you. It guards you. It protects you. And you are the bringer of the most spectacular news the world has ever heard. So let's act like it. Let's put smiles on our face, church, when we leave this place, when we see our friends and our family over the holiday season that we haven't seen for a while. Let's put a smile on our face and bring the joy of the Lord into these rooms, into these places, to bring the peace of God into these places. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, I pray for those of us in here who feel maybe a little anxious about doing something like that intimidates some of us. We don't know what to say oftentimes. God, I pray that you would give us a new excitement, a fresh outpouring of your spirit, a reminder of our salvation, of of what you've given to us so that we can share that with others. Because God, there is a story that you've given to us, that you've done something in our lives that you haven't done in anybody else's. That there's a uniqueness about our story. There's there's a 
a piece of our story that somebody needs to hear. And you will use whatever words come out of our mouth if we step out in faith, if we step out in boldness. So God, fill us with the ability to clearly communicate what you've done for us, that you came to be with us. You died to forgive us. You rose to give us new life, and you ascended to give us the Holy Spirit so that we could have victory. We celebrate you today. If you're in this place, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you're in this place and you would say, yeah, I'm in that camp. It intimidates me. I don't often know what to say. Would you just raise your hand? There's hands all over the room. You're not alone. Just raise your hand. Father, I pray for those people with their hands raised, that you would fill them with courage, a supernatural courage, a supernatural boldness, God. The ability to speak words that they didn't even know were in their mind, that you would bring back to mind verses from Scripture that they didn't even know were buried deep inside of them. But God, that we would be people who meditate on your word day and night, God, that we would receive from you the fullness of what you have for us, and we'd be able to clearly communicate it to other people. I pray for a richness in their devotions. I pray for uh, the the time that they spend in prayer, in quietness, in stillness, that you would fill them with a confidence and with a sense of security that they are fully loved, fully known, fully seen, and you will never let them go. God, give us a new level of bravery. Give us a new level of courage. In Jesus' name I pray. My sister's going to share something with us today. Hi, you guys. My name is Breck. I'm Blake's little sister. Um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just really speaking to me. Thank you. Um, because we are, um, we have a children's YouTube channel, and we're going on tour. Like, tomorrow we're leaving for Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we've got a bike clinic that we're putting on, and then we're traveling all over the United States for one whole year. And this is our final stop. And I've been feeling a little bit um, inadequate because as a mother, you know, I've been struggling, uh, you know, with my oldest at times. And I'm like, man, I just can't. Like, I'm not walking in this peace. How can I speak this truth that's so deeply rooted in my heart to these children all over the United States and through our YouTube channel all over the world? And I feel inadequate. And I was just like, God was like, hey, this was the message that I needed to hear right before I leave and head out on this journey and I want to challenge you here if you are sitting here going God these little things I need I was thinking about my son and I was like I need to let him go I need to let him just just be himself and stop trying to control everything and um I know that there's little pieces of us in each of us that are we've got these things that we're just holding on to or there's something and, and it's just like we just have to lay that down and I need to lay that down right here and right now and I want to invite you to think about those things because God is big and he's He's speaking to us constantly. And I just am like so honored to be here. And um, so I want to mail a postcard. We have these little postcards. I want to mail them out um, and I'll send one to the church here. And if you could just put that somewhere in the church. And if you guys walk by that postcard once a month and you could just remember to pray over us and pray over me, that would be huge. And I'll remember to pray over you and, and you, Blake. And I just love you guys so much. And... Um, Oh, you stay out here. Would you just extend your hands toward my sister? Uh, my sister and her husband, Kylan, are, um, like she said, they're they're on a tour. She has a, a YouTube channel for kids called Brecky Breck. And so they stop at these libraries and, and bike parks and what do you call them? Jump tracks. Yeah, she went to Phoenix Tracks. 
we're actually partnering with BMX tracks all over the United States, and they're helping us promote this. So, so she has a very unique opportunity to bring the good news of Jesus into spaces uh, with little kids who don't might not necessarily even know that she's a follower of Jesus, but they look up to her through her YouTube channel. And so would you just pray with me that God would use this as an, as an avenue for his kingdom to be brought to earth. Father, we just pray over uh, the Johnson family. God, I pray for Kylan and Breck and Miles and Briar and Maverick and Greta, that you would fill them with your spirit as they travel throughout our nation and that they would just bring the love of God wherever they go. And God, they would lay down all feelings of perfection, that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have it all figured out, but you would use them uh, mightily to just to bring your joy and your love to those kids who do not know you in Jesus' name. So we send them out from here, even though this is not where they're leaving from. God, we feel like they're ours and we're sending them out in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless you, church. Hey, the ministry team is going to be up here to pray for you. If you feel like you need encouragement, if you need to be, uh, if you have something specific you need prayer for, please come talk to somebody up here on our ministry team. They would love to pray with you. Just before you leave, I want to remind you that today is Grow Class happening right afterwards. We're going to be meeting, uh, we'll probably meet in, we'll find, just meet me in the lobby. We'll, we'll get a little space over there. And uh, Grow Class is an opportunity for you and I to connect. Maybe you're new to our church, and I'd love to connect with you and uh, to share a little bit about the heart of Desert Church and what God is doing in this place. So that's going to be happening in about 10 minutes, and you can grab some coffee and some pastries and just meet me in the lobby. God bless you, church. We love you, and we'll see you next week.